Good morning, good morning, so good to be with you guys. Uh, this morning, both Jeff and Troy are out of town. They're up in Toledo today. Um, they're actually preaching at an ordination service uh, at Wildwood Baptist Church. Um, they're ordaining a couple of their missionaries they're going to be sending out um, in the very near future. And so they are over there this morning. And so uh, I'm going to be preaching this morning. We're going to continue our study in 2 Corinthians. But uh, before we do that, I just want to thank you guys so much for uh, the outpouring of love that you guys have given to me and my family um, through supporting us and praying for us. I mean, you guys have just been awesome. It's, it's been uh, uh, just a little over a year since we, uh, you know, started deputation and fundraising for uh, the mission field to go to Hungary as missionaries, and uh, and we're coming close to the end, and we're so excited. Uh, it was just 10 days ago um, that we were in New York City uh, at the Hungarian consulate, they call it, but that's basically just like an embassy. Uh, we were in New York City, in downtown Manhattan, uh, getting ready to apply in person for our visas. We had to have an in-person visa appointment meeting so they could interview us and gather all our documents and take our fingerprints and all of that stuff. And, and I know a lot of you guys were praying for us and uh, even, even reached out to us on the day on Wednesday when we were driving there. And then the day that we were there, you guys were praying and reaching out to us. And man, can I just say thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts. It, it was such an encouragement because I, I, I was nervous, man. I'm just a small town boy uh, living in a lonely world in... <laughs> in Northeast Ohio, and man, I, I've been to big cities, and I've been to other countries, but man, New York City is just like its own thing, you know, and, and I'd never been there, and you know, there's a lot of just like tension in the world today, so I'm like, man, we're just gonna like duck in and duck out and try to not even like, you know, make a ripple or anything, so I, I was a little nervous, I had a little, little bit of anxiety built up, and, and on top of that, we were applying for our visas, which is what we've been praying for for the last year and a half, and so, uh, but man, just knowing that you guys were praying and reaching out to us, man, was so encouraging, so uplifting. And, and honestly, I, Brooke and I were talking about it when we were driving home from New York, that uh, it was so encouraging because we, even though we were in New York, so we left Judah at home because we didn't have to bring him. So we're like, man, one less stressful thing, right? Trying to get through Manhattan, you know, because I mean, I, I knew it was going to be stressful. You don't just... You know, one does not simply walk into Manhattan. It's like, you, you have to like plan it out ahead of time. And like, we, we like, you know, stayed at a hotel in New Jersey and took the, you know, the train over and all of these things. But uh, man, you guys praying for us and reaching out to us, it, it just seemed to be like a foreshadowing of like when we're in Hungary that we know we won't be alone. Um, because we weren't even alone. We were just in New York City applying for the visas for a couple hours. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, it is ex it, we're excited. And uh, if you guys want to keep praying for that, they told us that, you know, we should hear back in about 30 days. And so it's been, you know, over a week already. So we're hoping that we'll have those visas maybe in a couple weeks, as early as a couple weeks. And so uh, that's what we're praying for. We sold our house. We close in October. Uh, we give the keys over on November 16th. And we've got plane tickets to get out of here on November 18th. So, uh I mean, it seems like God's working this thing. So thank you guys so much for praying and keep praying uh, that, that they would approve those visas and that we could be on that plane on November 18th. This morning, though, we're going to continue in our study of 2 Corinthians. So why don't you open your Bibles, if you got them, uh, turn to chapter 4. Uh, we're actually going to be finishing the chapter today. Um, Pastor Troy, the last two weeks, uh, started the chapter and has been bringing us through verse by verse through chapter 4. And so I, I, I want to finish the chapter today, but also kind of tie a bow on the chapter as a whole, because there's, there's a couple of running themes throughout the entire chapter um, of chapter 4 here in 2 Corinthians, right? There, there's a couple of things and themes that we've seen, and the entire book of 2 Corinthians, in fact, is an epistle where Paul addresses 
the, the many struggles and hardships of ministry. He does that in other places in his epistles, but man, 2 Corinthians, he really focuses throughout the entire book. There's this chord, this theme of the hardships and the realities and the struggles that a life of ministry will have to endure. And so he addresses those in chapter 4 as well. And so and if you look back at verses 8, 9, and 10, we, we saw last week, we are troubled on every side, Paul says, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And so we see here, even in those verses, this juxtaposition that Paul shows between struggle and strength, right? He says, we are, we are troubled, yet not distressed. The world, in, in the secular world, if they were troubled, they'd be distressed, right? But when we're working through the power that Christ gives us through his spirit and doing what he's called us to do, we can be perplexed but not in despair. You see that? That, that contrast that he gives is not only can you have strength, you can have it actually in the struggle because of the struggle. And so that's what we see in 2 Corinthians 4. And, and in this chapter specifically, Paul describes the importance of transparency in ministry. Coming off the tales of chapter 3, if you guys remember, he, Paul described how Israel was blinded to this day even because of the veil that masked Moses' face when he came off the mount when he was in the presence of God. Paul says in verses 2 and 3 back here in uh, chapter 4, he says that we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. There's the transparency. We, we don't hide things. We're not dishonest. Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. He's like, we're, we're not using this book to try and manipulate you or handling it deceitfully in a way to get our own ways. He says, no, no, no. We are handling this thing as truthfully as we can. And he says that by manifestation of the truth, not hiding the truth, but manifesting it, showing, presenting the truth. By manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We're not even trying to hide it from God. We're doing everything out in broad daylight. We're being transparent and sincere and honest. And if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And so Paul is just laying it all out like we can't be fake. We can't be fake, church. We, we can't take this book and use it for our own gain. We can't use it to manipulate people. And if you ever see people or shepherds like that, you stay away from that. Because we weren't called to that. We were called to sincerity. And the true minister of Christ will not only be transparent, but he's going to endure hardships and struggle. Because that is the life that God has called us to. And so when you see the opposite of that, one has to at least wonder if they're doing what God called them to do. So even though ministry is full of struggles and hardships, we have to seek to be transparent and sincere and honest in, in all of our doings before men and before the Lord. Now, let, that's just kind of a summary of where we've been. Let's, let's read the last chunk of this chapter here. We're going to be uh, starting in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 4 and, and read through the end of the chapter there. You ready? All right, starting in verse 13. It says, We having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. God, we come to you and we just sincerely and humbly ask you that you would teach us, Lord. Father, I pray you'd move me out of the way, Lord, and that I could be transparent and let your word shine through. These people, this church, they don't need my opinions, Lord. They need your truth. They need your word. So God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach it as it is in truth, the word of God, and that everybody who's listening would have their ears open and their hearts open and attuned to what your spirit is speaking through the word of God. And Lord, if we need to change, change us. Lord, if we need to change how we're walking, Lord, change that too. But Father, I pray that we would be encouraged today in the word that you have for us. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's begin to break this down, starting in verse 13. Look at that verse again. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. So th that phrase, we having the same spirit of faith, if you were just to kind of casually read through this quickly, uh, what you might think is that it's saying something simply like, we all have the same spirit of faith. Um, but it's not simply just saying that, although, you know, at a passing glance, that, that would seem reasonable. What, what that word same is referring to is actually the previous verses. What he's saying is, we having the same spirit as what I've just been describing, yet of faith, and then he goes on. So, so what is Paul described? What has what he described in the first 12 verses of this chapter? Well, he's talked about not fainting, not hiding the gospel, boldly proclaiming it by shining the light of it, preaching Christ through the power of God, being troubled but not distressed, being perplexed but not in despair, being persecuted but not forsaken, being cast down but not destroyed, bearing the dying of Jesus Christ daily, and not fearing death, but the life that springs forth from death we live by. That's what he's been talking about this whole chapter. And if you were to just sum them up, is what is the same spirit? Man, I'd say it's a spirit of boldness. Amen. It's a spirit of courage, of, of power, and of strength that comes through the gospel that we have, that we take forth to the world. It, it's this spirit of having a perseverance despite the persecutions. And sometimes even the disastrous circumstances that we find surrounding us. And man, if there's ever been a year for that, it's this one, is it not? It's, it's having a spirit of strength, here it is, even through the midst of the struggle. Not seeking strength in spite of, but actually seeking strength through the struggle. And that's how we can share in those infirmities that Paul talks about and that Christ even struggled in for on our behalf. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, having this spirit of faith, this boldness, this courage, this strength, we believe and therefore speak. Now, I'm going to take a quick sidebar because this, this isn't pertinent to our study, but it really is important because what he does say in verse uh, 13 is according as it is written. And when you see that phrase, you guys know that that means it was written down somewhere else, right? So you've got a built-in cross-reference in the word of God if you want to know what it is. And you can go and look at your, on your own time. Paul's actually quoting David here in Psalm 116 verses 10 through 11, Psalm 116, 10 through 11. And if you go back and look, basically, he just, he just quotes them. He, he says that we, having believed, speak. 
And so Paul says, as, as that truth is written, I'm applying it to myself today, and therefore I believe, and therefore have I spoken, right? We believe and we speak just like David wrote before. And I think that's important to note just because we speak what we believe, right? I mean, that's just a common truth. Our mouth says what our heart believes. Our mouth reveals what our heart contains, I feel like I preach that sermon every other week when I was in youth ministry because, man, you, you, you think you might have a this problem or a that problem or a cussing problem or whatever problem. Man, you got a heart problem. <laughs> what are you filling your heart with? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's what Matthew twelve thirty four says. So whatever is coming from your mouth is simply the abundance of what is springing from your heart and you control what goes in your heart, Christian. So what Paul is saying, using this truth here is, listen, with this bold spirit of faith that I've been describing, we speak based upon what we believe firmly in our heart. What? Verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That first word there, he says, we, we speak because we believe with the spirit of courage and strength that I've been speaking about up to this point. We, what do we believe? What do we speak? Knowing. So I just want to say before we really get started into our outline, I, this is on your sheet too, I'm sure. Strength comes from knowing the right things. Strength comes from knowing the right things. You might say, well, listen, man, I, I get it. I love the Lord. I love his book. I love studying it. I love coming to church and fellowshipping. But I struggle, man. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with feeling weak. Well, join the club in 2020, right? I, like, I'm not downplaying, downplaying what you're going through. But man, I think a lot more people than usual can, can understand that today, Right? Well, what do you do about that? What do you, what do you, I, I know what God says. I know I'm saved. What, what do you do about that anxiety, that depression, that fear, that weakness that I feel? Well, you fight those lying thoughts because those are lies, by the way. Anxiety stems from lying thoughts, things that aren't true. You fight those lying thoughts by thinking about whatsoever things are true Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. That's what Philippians 4 tells us. And when you do that, when you fight those lying thoughts with what you know is true, when you fight those lying thoughts with what you know is honest, and you take that book, and you take captive every stray thought in your mind that goes against those truths, that is when you get the peace of God that passeth all understanding. That's when you get that. That's what Philippians 4 is saying. Listen, I, I know I'm going to try not to take too much of a sidebar here, because I, I used to work in pharmacy. If you didn't know that, I was a certified pharmacy technician before I uh, was a janitor at this church. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I was an intern and whatever. But uh, before, I, I was a pharmacy technician. I worked in pharmacy, and when you're filling prescriptions all day, you've got all the pill bottles in the, um, on the shelves behind you, and they're all in alphabetical order. But you, you typically have what's called a fast mover section, right? It's right behind you because it's the things that 80, 90% of the time you're just reaching behind you and filling. And man, you know what's on that fast mover section? It's anxiety pills. It's pills for depression. All of those things, man, those are the fast movers in our society, in our little town. And listen, I'm, I'm not even telling you, like, 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 don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that you should go against whatever your doctor prescribed you. But I, I'm just saying those pills, man, they can, they can help 
the serotonin levels in your head, and they can help balance chemicals. But if you want to deal with the root of the issue and not just be numb to reality, which I get most people, they just don't want to feel it. But if you want to deal with the root, you go to Philippians 4, and you see the things you're supposed to think on, and you renew your mind, and you do that twice daily as needed. Okay? Or for my medical people, you, you take Philippians 4, B-I-D-P-R-M. Okay? <laughs> anyway, we got to get back to what we're actually talking about. So that's how you get strength, though. That's how you get strength. Strength comes from knowing the right things and knowing specifically what Paul says that he knows and believes and speaks firmly on. In this chapter, he says that we know that the same Father God who raised Christ from the dead will also raise us up. We know that. He says it also in other places, even 1 Corinthians 6.14. Okay, he also says knowing that he will one day not just raise us up, but present us to Jesus Christ as a chaste virgin, as the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.27 and 2 Corinthians 11.2. Strength, guys, comes from knowing the right things. And faith, that same spirit of faith we were just talking about, is simply knowing that God will do what he says he will do. That's what faith is. It's that Hebrews 11.1, 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, Right? Faith is just knowing what, that God will do what he says he will do. And strength comes from knowing the right things. And that's fixating your mind on this book and not the lies that surround you, okay? That's the source of strength. That's a well that you can drink from even during the struggle. In fact, it's through the struggle, like we've already said, that you can have that strength. And we're going to see that in the rest of these verses this morning. So let me ask you this. You don't have to speak it out loud, but anyone out there struggling today? I'm sure there's a vast myriad of things that we're all struggling with at some, to some level. But you know, having strength through the comfort of knowing the right things that we find in this book, that is what helps us to endure the struggle. That's why we gotta have that truth. We gotta have this intro in verses 13 and 14 that Paul gives us. We gotta have that in our back pocket as we dissect the rest of this passage because we get the strength to endure the struggle by knowing the right things, and they all come from this book. There's things that men can say that can help. But man, if you want to deal with the root, you've got to get your head in this book, okay? So let's see this morning three truths about enduring the struggle that can provide us with strength today. Number one, the first thing we're going to see is that we endure struggle for others. We endure struggle for others. Now you might think in a study like this that we would actually start with ourselves, but we're not. We're going to start with the first thing that Paul says in verse 15. We've actually got three fours. If that would make sense. If you look in your Bible, verse 15 starts with four. Verse 16 starts with four. Verse 17 starts with four. And we get each of our points from what he says there. He gives us three bullet points for enduring the struggle. Three truths. And the first thing we see in verse 15 is that we endure struggle not for ourselves, but for others. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Corinthian church. Paul says, Corinthian church, all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Okay, so what are all the things? I mean, that's pretty encompassing, right? But for all things are for your sakes. What's he, what's he specifically referring to when he's talking to these Corinthians? Well, if you go back to chapter 1, 
we can see that, actually. He's, he talks about them multiple times, but in chapter 1, he's kind of laying the intro for the book. And in verse 4, Paul says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. When you go through troubles and God comforts you, he's actually comforting you not just for yourself, but so that you can comfort others who go through the same thing. That's called discipleship. That's called counseling. Verse 5, for as the sufferings, so we've got tribulation, we've got sufferings, of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. You see that? The, all the things are the struggles of ministry. The tribulation, the sufferings, the afflictions, and even the comfort of Christ that comes with those. But all of those things are for the sake of others. Paul's saying, I endure these things. I go through these things for your sake, church, not for me. He said, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want to go through tribulation and afflictions and persecutions, but I do for your sake. We endure struggle for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can help them when they're struggling. You, you ever wonder why God is letting or has allowed you to go through something? Have you used that experience to help other people? Because in a church like this, that's what we should be doing. That's what a church at all should be doing. But we've got plenty of people who have been through plenty of things that we can help the next generation or other people who are going through those same things. But not only do we endure those for the sake of our brothers and sisters, we also endure the struggle for the sake of the lost. Letter A. We endure all these things, for the multiplication of believers. See, he says, for all things are for your sakes. So, so he's talking to the brothers and sisters, but then he says that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many, the thanksgiving of many. You know, in verse one of this chapter, it says, seeing we have this ministry. You guys remember when Troy defined that within the book of 2 Corinthians? We just saw that two weeks ago. It's the ministry of reconciliation that he's given us, right? That, that we actually get into in chapter 5. See, all of these things that we're seeing in 2 Corinthians, they're not like little solo sermons. They're all connected. They carry the same theme. They're all within the same context. And that ministry of reconciliation in chapter 5 is the ministry he's talking about in chapter 4. Okay, and, and it's not letting our gospel be hid, but it's letting our light to shine through these cracked earthen vessels that Pastor Troy talked about last week. That is the, the, uh, the ministry that we have to give the knowledge of the glory of God to those that are in the darkness. And we endure the struggle for the sake of those lost souls that we're ministering to. Because man, ministry's rough. Yet we endure the struggles so that many may hear while there is yet time for them to respond. So that many might offer thanksgiving to God for his abundant grace. Man, there has been stories of people in this church and even further out that have gotten saved during the COVID time in our country. And you know what? Through the struggles that we've all endured, there can still be thanksgiving through many. I bet you those people, if you've gotten saved throughout the course of this year, I bet you're thanking God that you found him through it. That's why we endure the tribulations. That's why we endure the afflictions, so that many might one day stand before God with thanksgiving in their hearts and praise on their lips, so that one day your lost friend or neighbor or family member or coworker may actually stand before God as a saved son of God. 
and proclaim along with David what he says in the Psalms. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 6930. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Psalms uh, 95.2. And enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 100 and verse 4. See, you can't be thankful and excited and praiseful in God's presence unless you've found the truth of the gospel. Because someday people are going to stand in his presence and it's not going to be a, thanks, a thanksgiving time. It's going to be a fearful time. We endure the struggle so that we can bear fruit and fruit that would remain because that's the job. That's the ministry, seeing we have this ministry. John 15, 16, Christ says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Listen. We endure these things. We endure the struggles of ministry so that we can do what our Father told us to do. So that we can do the ministry. So that we can see fruit and we can bear fruit that doesn't just flake out, but fruit that remains and bears other fruit. And when we bear fruit and we see believers multiplied through the power of the gospel, guess what? That glorifies God. Which is the other person that we endure struggle for. Look at John 15, 8. Herein is my Father glorified. How? How do we glorify God? That ye bear much fruit. So let her be for the glory of God. We endure struggles for the sake of other people, for the multiplication of the lost, and for the glory of God. Looking back at verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 4, he says, All things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. When God stands at his throne someday, after it's all said and done, and there are just endless, countless people from all walks of life and cultures praising him with thanksgiving, that will glorify him. And hopefully some of those people will be there because you did what you were supposed to be doing with the time that he gave you. That's why we endure the struggle. For the sake of lost souls, yes. But it also glorifies God. Bearing fruit, making disciples glorifies God. And you know what? Even enduring the struggle itself, just doing what he told us to do and taking up our cross and dying to ourselves, that glorifies him as well. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. After, in verse 2, he talks about discipleship and telling Timothy to take what he has learned and, and give it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He follows that up saying, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because if you're going to do what God has told you to do, it's going to get hard because you're in a spiritual war. No man, verse 4, that warreth, no man that goes to war, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, there it is, who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You want to glorify God? Are you saved today, Christian? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Do what he told you to do. And yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to hurt, and it's going to be a struggle. But you know what? You enduring that struggle for the sake of what he's called you to do, for the sake of multiplication of lost people, for the sake of even just exhorting and comforting your saved brothers and sisters, that glorifies him. That glorifies him. And that's why we endure the struggle. This whole book, this whole book is about the glory of God. We can't take that lightly when he says that something glorifies him. 
All of the prophecy in this book points to a day where Jesus Christ will finally get the glory that is due his name. Do you know that? And at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This whole book declares it. And you get to the end, you get to Revelation 4, and you guys know the passage, but it starts in verse 9 saying, when those beasts give glory, there it is, and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because of who you are and what you've done. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. This book's about his glory. This whole thing is about God's glory. It's what it's all about. And your willingness, friend, to endure the struggle for the sake of multiplication and for the sake of just obeying what he has told you to do, well, that redounds to the glory of God. We endure the struggle, not for our sake, but for the sake of others. Well, that might be why we endure the struggle. That's a good perspective to have. But what, how do we actually endure the struggle? That's what we see next in the next verse. Number two, we endure struggle through daily renewal. Daily renewal. Look at verse 16. Paul says, for which cause we faint not, but, through our, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now you'll notice that that phrase, faint not, that's the second time we've seen that in this chapter, right? It was also in verse 1 when he says, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Once again, Paul's letting us know that we can and we should endure the struggle. That through the struggle we can have strength. And he shows us this by contrasting the outward man and the inward man. That's what we see here. So friends, if you're not aware of this, you, you know, kids, whoever, maybe you're, maybe you're in church for the first time, or you've not been in church very long. If you don't realize this, you are a three-part being. You were originally fashioned in the three-part image of God. And if you're saved today, what you have, if you've given your life to Christ and accepted his gift of eternal life, you have an eternal soul, a living spirit, and an outward flesh, the part that we can see and touch and feel, right? This outward man, is how we interact with the physical world. But the problem is, letter A, the outward man is perishable. It's perishable, that's what we see in the scripture. Because when you got saved, here's what happened. Your dead spirit was reborn. We see that in John chapter three when Jesus is describing to Nicodemus that listen, you've got a sin problem. You have a spiritual problem and you were born physically and you were born separated from God. You need to be reborn spiritually. And when you get saved, you are reborn. You are born again, and so your spirit is made alive. And he cuts away your soul from your sinful flesh by the circumcision that is made without hands. That's Colossians chapter 2. So the reason you were going to hell is that your sin in your flesh was dooming your eternal soul to a place that wasn't designed for you, an eternal separation from God because your spirit was dead. But when you got saved, that spirit was reborn. And it says in Colossians 2 that he cut away your soul from your flesh, that spiritual circumcision made without hands, so that even though this flesh will one day die, that spirit and that soul, well, they're going to be forever. And they get to go be with God. That's what happened. So this flesh, this old body, 
man, this, it hasn't been regenerated yet. You've got an eternal soul. You've got a reborn spirit, but you've got an ailing body. You've got a body that is perishing. It won't last forever, right? It's getting older each day, and it's falling apart slowly. And I don't just mean with advanced age. There's some of us even in here that I've heard stories that have to deal with diseases and complications even in their youth. These bodies, they're not forever. And not to mention, this flesh is riddled with sin. It still desires to serve sin even though we've been reborn. You know, Paul contrasts the inward man with the outward in Romans chapter 7. He says in verse 18 of Romans 7, For I know that in me, look at the parenthetical, that is in my flesh. Okay, so he's referring to the outward man. The flesh, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And so in our flesh dwells no good thing because this flesh is perishing. It's full of sin. And, these daily, and, and daily, these bodies, this outward man, it takes a beating, right? Sickness, injury, aging, sin, they all take their toll on this perishable body because this body's only temporary. And we all long for the day that we'll meet Jesus one day in the clouds and he gives us a new non-perishable body to match our eternal souls. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me remind you in case you've been struggling. Behold, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We won't all die. Paul says, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. For this corruptible, there it is, this perishable body must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put, put on immortality. This body, it's perishing. It's temporary. For now we live in this temporary tabernacle, and this is the tool that we've been given to serve the Lord in. And as we work daily to fulfill the ministry that has been given to us, you know what? Sometimes we grow weary in well-doing. Sickness runs us down. Injuries sideline us. Age slows us down. And sin hinders and often wounds us. But the good news is that although our outward man perishes day by day, you see what's coming, right? The inward man can be renewed day by day. Let her be. The inward man is renewable. The outward man is perishable, but praise God, the inward man is renewable or else we couldn't do this thing. I couldn't. Let's go back to Romans 7. Paul said, I know that in me, in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. I, I want to do the right thing. To will is present with me, but how to actually do it, how to actually perform it, I know not. Well, look at verse 22 of Romans 7. Paul says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There's the, con the, the, the contrast there. In the inward man, I delight in the law of God. I want to please him. I want to follow him. My inward man delights in the law of God. But, verse 23, I see another law in my members. It's the physical body, right? My members, my arms, my legs, my, my mind, my, my head, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul says, listen, there, there's a war going on inside of me. I've got my inward man that wants to please God. It's been reborn. I want to serve the law of God. I want to serve him. But I still have this flesh. And the law of sin still dwells and rules and reigns in this flesh. And they conflict daily. 
And, I, and, I, and I, sometimes I do what I'm supposed to and sometimes I don't. And it wears me down. And he exclaims, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But you know what? I feel like a lot of people quote that passage and they stop there. There's one more verse in that chapter. He gives you the answer. Check it out. Romans 7.25. I, who, who shall be able to deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus gives us that power, and Paul says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So it is possible, Christian, to overcome the sin and serve God with the inward man, even though daily our outward man perishes day by day. So we see that distinction here between the law of God and the law of sin the distinction between the mind, if you will, that, that soul, the mind, will, emotions, and the flesh, the inward man and the outward man, the invisible and the visible, the intangible and the physical. So although our flesh is beat down by sin and the struggle of daily life in this world, our inward man can and, and must be renewed daily. Because if you don't, you can look and sound and feel and act and speak just like the world around you. If you let that inward man decay, like the outward man is doing rapidly. The inward man is renewed day by day. It's not, I renewed the inward man last year. And so I've got 5,000 miles before my next tune-up. And then we'll be good. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This, this inward man being renewed daily, it doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just happen by accident. The, the renewing of your inward man that, that dwells within your flesh, that dwells within this evil and dark and sinful and despicable world, it needs renewing. We walk through this filthy world and we need to wash our feet off. That's what happens. It's like Lot when he's dwelling in Sodom and Gomorrah and his soul was vexed by the crap that was around him. And you know what? We're living in this world. We're called to be in it, but not of it. But man, I'm telling you what, if you don't renew that inward man daily, you're going to vex your soul, Christian. Because it's a rough life out there. And this is a rough year, maybe one for the books. You've got to renew your inward man daily, and you have to be intentional about it. You've got to wash your feet off, lest the cares of this world and the affairs of this life choke out that seed that's in you. And instead of bearing much fruit, we simply just slowly look more like the world around us. That's important, Christian. This is how you can have strength during the struggle. That was Paul's prayer for the believers at Ephesus as well. Look at Ephesians 3 quickly, verse 14. He says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for this thing I pray to God for you, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You gotta be strengthened through the struggle by renewing that inner man. You wanna be strengthened in your inner man? You gotta renew it daily. Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, before you got saved, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and instead what? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's the contrast. Put off that old stuff and instead renew the spirit of your mind. 
Man, Romans 12, 2. If you, if you haven't memorized Romans 12, 2, you ought to. I, I feel like that was, I feel like I preached that verse every day when I was a youth pastor because I feel like it's one of the most important practical verses for a Christian living in, in this world today. He, look at Romans 12, 2. He says, be not conformed to this world. There's, that's a command, by the way. But instead, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, God says, don't be conformed to this world. You're called to live in it, not, not be of it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the converse is true as well. If you don't renew your mind, you will be conformed to this world. I can tell you that, man. Take a break from God, as ridiculous as that sounds. Maybe you have in your life. Maybe there was a time where you were straying from the path and you took a break from God, took a break from the fellowship of church, took a break from getting in his word. How did that land you? Did you look more like God or did you look more like this world? Did you think more like God or were, did you have more anxiety and depression and fear like this world? We gotta renew ourselves. Don't be conformed to this world, man. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, this, a quick, I, I don't have footnotes here, but a quick Google search online told me that the average person spends two to three hours on social media a day. And I, I don't know the age brackets there. It's just, it just says average. So maybe it's even worse for young people, less for older people. The average person spends on TV five hours a day. So, okay, let's just say for round numbers, the average person, some more, some less, spend around eight hours a day taking in the media of this world. And do you honestly think that if you spend, Christian, eight hours per day or more consuming the media that has been put forth by this world, that you won't start to sound and look and talk and think like the world? Think about it. When you start having weird thoughts, when you start having empathy and sympathy for this world and the evil things they're doing, and you're scrolling through social media and something that's worldly hits you, and you're like, well, I don't know that that's so bad. That should give you a red flag that you're not renewing your inward man daily. Man, we got to get in this book. Do you think that your 10-minute Devo in the morning is going to combat the 24-hour intravenous supply of the world's propaganda that's feeding into your mind? Come on, man. I know it's better than nothing. you got to start somewhere. But, man, it's time that we quit wondering why the world is winning in the battle for our minds and start being honest that we are the weakest link here. It ain't God. It's this outward man that perishes day by day. We need to renew the inward man. Mine's a battlefield, y'all, and the enemy wants to control it. Because if you're a born-again Christian, there's nothing he can do about your eternal destination. But he can hinder you, he can sideline you, and get you out of the game so that you don't do what God has called you to do. And what is that? Reproduce sons and daughters of God. It's all about reproduction, man. And Satan, one way or another, he will use that flesh. Then The Christian has three enemies, Right? The devil, the world, and the flesh. And way too many times we give the devil all the credit. Oh, man, the devil just got to me yesterday, and I got a speeding ticket. Okay. You got to you yesterday. <laughs> I mean, we give them too much credit, man. I feel like most Christians aren't on the devil's radar. You feel me? I feel like most Christians today get taken out by the first wave of our flesh, and we don't even get to the world and the devil. And we combat that by renewing our inward man daily. Because this outward man is perishing, man. 
Renew our mind daily with the only truth that we can place our hope in whatsoever things are true and honest, right? And just and pure and lovely and of a good report. That's what we renew ourselves in. So here, I'd sum it up this way. You want strength during the struggle, make it a point. This is as practical as I can get, y'all. Make it a point to decrease your daily intake of the world's influence and increase your daily intake of the word's influence on your mind. That's as practical as we can get. That's where the rubber meets the road. If you're, if you're having a hard time this year, and believe me, no one's judging you. We all are. You need to make it a point to decrease the world's influence on your mind and increase the daily intake of the word's influence on your mind. It'll get better. And you'll actually find strength through the struggle and you'll be able to endure it. Though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Number three, our last point here. We endure struggle by focusing on eternal glory. We endure struggle by focusing on eternal glory. Let's look at the last two verses in our passage. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Look, look, look at Paul's candid speak here, man. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. What gets us riled up daily is the things that are seen. The things that we see daily, that's what gets us riled up. That's what gives us the anxiety and the depression. That's what gives us the struggle. Paul says we don't look at those things. We look at the things which are not seen. It's all too easy for us to focus on the struggle that's here and now rather than the rewards that are yet future that endure a whole lot longer. But focusing on the struggle, man, it won't strengthen us. It, it, it'll not help us to endure the, stroke, the struggle, right? When, you guys know this. When we focus on what is causing us pain and fear and agony, when you focus on that, it doesn't get better. When you focus on the waves, that's when you sink. You walk on the water by focusing on Jesus. That's how you do it. Focusing on the affliction is what keeps us down and depressed and anxious and weak. So we have to adjust our perspective. We have to focus where we're looking, and we have to do it intentionally. Letter A, affliction is visible, but it's temporary. Affliction is visible, but temporary. It's what we see, but it won't last. Notice what Paul says there in verse 17, for our light affliction. Mm. Now, if Paul can say our light affliction, after all he's been through for the sake of the gospel, man, we don't have much room to complain today, do we? What with our good jobs and our smartphones and our air conditioning and our 401ks. Man, we don't have a whole lot of room to complain. You know what Paul had to endure? He was mocked. By the way, this is in chapter 11. We're not going to go there, but we'll cover it when we get there. Paul was mocked, beaten, whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, imprisoned, homeless, hungry, and more. All for the sake of the gospel. I don't know that I can check one of those boxes off myself. And Paul said, for our light affliction which is but for a moment. His assessment of all that he's been through, our light affliction is just for a moment. You can see it. It's visible. It's real. It's, he, Paul's not pretending it's not real. He's just focused on something else. He realized, he's got the right perspective and he realizes it's just temporary. It's just for a moment. The struggle that we can see and feel today, it's temporary. But it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory Paul says it another way in Romans 8.18. Man, this is good right here. Romans 8.18. Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are what? Not worthy 
to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Man, the sufferings that we endure today are not even worthy, y'all, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you speak that out of the abundance of your heart? We need to focus, refocus maybe our perspective from the visible to the invisible. Although the struggle is real, affliction, man, it's just temporary, but let her be. Glory, on the other hand, is invisible, but it's eternal. It's harder to focus on something I can't see and I can't totally comprehend. But man, I've got this book promising me that it's far more worthy than anything I can face today. It's eternal. It lasts forever. You know what this book tells me? When the world tells me nobody cares, when the world tells me all of this is for naught, when the world gives me depression, anxiety, this book tells me that God loved me so much that he gave his only son for me and that he left me with the Holy Spirit, which is an earnest of my salvation as a receipt that he's coming back to redeem the purchased possession. We have promises that God has our best our, our best in mind, not our worst. And even when our mind goes to places it shouldn't go, we can refocus our vision on the invisible things because the word manifests that truth to us. We've just got to get in it more, y'all. We've got to renew our minds daily. We've got to renew them, the inward man. Christian, I know the struggle's real. I know that 2020 has been really tough. But I'm telling you, man, based on the authority of the written word of God, that the sufferings of today are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's awaiting us. Affliction is temporary, but glory is eternal. And when you gain strength through God's word, through the struggle, and endure the struggle by actively continuing in the mission and actively pressing on towards the mark of the high calling of Christ, you know what's happening? You're building for yourself eternal rewards that will be revealed someday at the judgment seat of Christ. And we don't have time to do a study here. I just want to mention, in the very next chapter, when Paul is talking about the ministry of reconciliation, in the context of what we're seeing today, you know what he talks about in 2 Corinthians 5? The judgment seat of Christ. Look at verse 10 real quick, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, for we must all, he's talking to the church, he's talking to Christians, we must all, brothers and sisters, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, if you're in here and, and you don't know about the judgment seat of Christ or you haven't been in church long, I just want to take two seconds here to explain to you this is not the judgment that the, the world and Christianity in general seems to get wrong. There's two judgments in the Bible for people, two main ones. You've got the one at the end of Revelation, the, the great white throne judgment. Well, that's for the lost. That's for those that go through the tribulation. That's the judgment of sin. And all will be found guilty when they don't have Christ covering their sin. We don't go through that, Christian. So, so don't worry. It's not saying we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and there's going to be this big scale. And if our, our good outweighs our bad, then, well, good job. But if not, oh, man, that stinks. That's not what it's saying. He's saying that we endure all of these things because there's a much more exceeding eternal weight of glory waiting for us. And when we appear at the judgment seat of Christ, by the way, your cross-reference is 1 Corinthians 3, where he explains this judgment seat of Christ more. He says it's going to be tried by fire, and all the sticks and the wood and the hay and the stubble, the stuff that you built up, the temporary things and riches that we accrued through our American wealthy Laodicean lives, that's going to burn up. But the precious stones 
and the jewels and the gold and the silver, those things last through the fire and those are your eternal rewards, man. And some people are going to get in, man, just through the skin of their nose. It says that it's tried by fire and, and some people are going to get in, yet so as by fire because there's nothing left on that cement slab that just happens to be the foundation, which is our salvation, so if you're saved today, you, you can't lose your salvation. That's what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to, to encourage you. You can't lose that. But, but listen, after you get saved through no work of your own, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, he's called you to work, Ephesians 2, 10. So we got a work to do. We have rewards that are waiting for us, but we got to do what he's called us to do. And when we do that, we can focus on the invisible things because those are eternal these, these visible temporary afflictions, they won't last. They're light afflictions, they're temporary. But man, when we stand before Christ one day and we know we laid it all out on the line for what he called us to do, there's eternal rewards and glory that await us. And, and that's how we endure the struggle, guys. We focus on that. We focus on those things. We focus on the invisible, even though it's, it's difficult, I, I know. But when you live your life in the light of the judgment seat of Christ, you find strength to endure the struggle because you've got the proper perspective. All of this is temporary. But God and his glory and the souls of men, that's eternal. And the rewards that we earn after we're saved by obeying and serving him are eternal. A couple of rapid fire uh, verses for you. James 1.12, blessed is the man that endureth, there it is, temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's rewards for enduring the temptation. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, starting in verse 3, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. How? Everything we've seen this morning knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience works experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed in our hearts, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I want you to be encouraged in the Lord today, Christian. If life has been an absolute struggle for you lately, and understandably so, I want you to see that you can have strength, not apart from the struggle, but in and through the struggle, Right? You just need to adjust your focus. Because, man, let me tell you, Jesus is coming soon. That's all we've been talking about at this church since March hit. And it's like, we, we don't know the day or the hour. Of course not. We've talked about that. But if, if anything tells us out there in the times and seasons that Christ is coming soon, I, I think this year shows us that regardless of the year, it's going to be soon. So focus on the important things. Focus on what matters eternally and not just what hurts e uh, temporarily. Because verse 18 wraps up the chapter saying, while we look at the things which are not, we look not at the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Adjust your focus. What, what are you looking at? So I think a good place to land the plane today is Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, believers, Christians, Raised to sit on the right hand of God right now, though practically we're still right here. If you're saved today, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are where? Above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. 
you know, if you're struggling today, you might just have your eyes looking down at you and the afflictions and the struggle. Just look up, man. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's the key, man. Where are you looking? We can get strength through the struggle by adjusting our focus. And so let me just tie a ball on this whole message here today. We endure struggle for others, not for us. So keep working. <laughs> keep doing what he told you to do. We endure struggle by renewing our minds daily. So get in this book and get off your phone. One is going to give you hope and truth and life. The other one's going to give you despair, anxiety, and fear. Take your pick. And we endure struggle by focusing on eternity. So look up instead of looking down. I don't think you can get much more practical than that, guys. We just got to go out and do it, put it into practice in our lives. Let's pray.